This podcast is brought to you by Eisner Award-winning Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska, and supporting listeners like you. Go to TwoHeadedNerd.com and click donate, or visit Patreon.com backslash TwoHeadedNerd to become a supporter today. Hacha! Our story this week picks up where we left off last week. Broadcasting from the Ziggurat at Omaha, deep below the metro area, it is our pleasure to welcome you to episode 486, the Two-Headed Nerd Comic Book Podcast, folks! My name's Matt Baum. And I'm the Internet's Joe Patrick. Each week, Matt and I join together to form the Two-Headed Nerd, or I guess we've always been that way. It's a mystery. Come it's with us so on long. this... It's hard. It's hard to remember. I know. Come with us on this journey through this week's latest comic book news, rumors, and reviews. In this week's episode, Joe and I are going to review Despicable Deadpool, number 300, and Avengers, number one. Then we'll smash open a Thanos head pinata full of eight more new comics during the ludicrous speed round. After that, we'll visit the THN Sanctum Sanctorum, where we'll discuss our must-read picks for next week. And finally, the comic witchers are back to slink some Deadpool comics, folks. But before we get into it, we want to take a second to wish all you mothers a happy Mama's Day. And then, what better way to celebrate than to talk about this week's Nerd News! Nerd News. Boom Studios has announced Black Badge, a new monthly series reuniting Matt Kent and artist Tyler Jenkins. They're the Eisner Award-nominated team behind Grass Kings, which... I only read one issue of and need to get caught up on because it was awesome. I read the first six issues. It was wonderful. The new series launches in August 2018. Here's what Boom has to say about the series. Meet the Black Badges, a top secret elite branch of Boy Scouts. Yeah. <laughs> tasked by the government to take on covert missions that no adult ever could. Among their organization, the Black Badges are the elite, the best of the best. The missions they take are dangerous and they will only get worse as their leader's attention is split between their mission and tracking down a lost team member, a member who disappeared years ago, presumed dead. Probably not really old and uh, young enough to be a Boy Scout at this point, I would imagine. No, maybe not. I don't know. Not the black exploitation cop book I was hoping for. <laughs> Uh, I really thought this was going to be a little more Shaft-inspired. <laughs> yeah, black Badge, sucker. Exactly. <laughs> black Badge is a haunting look at foreign policy, culture wars, and isolationism through the lens of kids who know they must fix the world the adults have broken. Man, I love stories where groups of kids handle really serious shit. Oh, yeah. Four and kids I, walk into it, a bank. It uh, doesn't sound like they're doing like some some type of like dystopian future where adults have disappeared or anything either it sounds like these kids are just going to go deal with this in the adult world which well, sounds yeah. really cool I, I, the idea that the boy scouts are secretly like an arm of the government yeah it's totally rad it's, yeah um well I and love- matt kent and i mean come on matt kent along with tyler jenkins yeah this is going to be beautiful to look at it's going to be weird as hell this sounds like it's going to be amazing yeah, I'm excited for this one. Hopefully, I can stay caught up better than I did on their last book. I love that he calls it Boy Scouts, but for real. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck you, Boy Scouts. <laughs> you pansies. Joe Patrick, from the RIP desk, we may have the death of a young animal on our hands. On Thursday, DC and Gerard Way confirmed to ComicsBeat.com that DC's first pop-up imprint, I hate that shit, young animal is closing up shop. According to Way, Shade the Changing Woman, Cape Carson, Mother Panic will all end with issue six in August, quote, as planned. What do you think, Joey? Was Young Animal a failure or did Way succeed in his concept of a temporary boutique selling a collection of curated comics? Um, I mean, I know that sales weren't great necessarily, but I don't know if it was a failure. The book seemed pretty well regarded. Yeah, no, um, I think the, if there was a failure, it was in Doom Patrol, and that was just a failure of coming out. The scheduling problems, for sure, were their biggest stumbling block. Oh, and yeah. See, now, I read this as a temporary thing. Way said that Doom Patrol is coming back. He and said that they want to get... And that this was not the end of Young Animal. There would be more <laughs> news to come when Doom Patrol returns. Yeah, he said he wants to get Doom Patrol back on schedule, but didn't say anything about these other titles returning. And I mean, and if you look, they just relaunched 
most of these titles. Mother Panic, Shade, and Cape Carson all had relaunches in the past three months. Their April sales were terrible. Mother Panic number two came in at 205 on the top 300 list. Shade came in at 208, and Cape Carson came in at 217. Those are all second issues of a relaunch. Those numbers are terrible. Well, that's the thing about relaunches. Uh, it's that they're also a great opportunity for people to jump off a book. It's true. And so. honestly, we reviewed all of these and really liked Cave Carson. I felt like Mother Panic and Shade, well, and even Cave Carson, they all suffered from the fact that this, if, if it was a relaunch, this was not a jumping on point. It was just more of the story, but renumbered. Right. Which seemed like a mistake to me and if i am a fan and i'm trying to follow along like you said yeah it's a perfectly good chance to just jump the hell off and who's excited about doom patrol it does first of all we could barely follow the story and if you're <laughs> gonna have a story we can barely follow it better fucking come out on time so we can remember what was confusing us at least right yeah and I think I agree. I think the relaunch was a big mistake. There was no reason for it. They no. had their they had their Justice League crossover event, which we agree was a ton of fun. Oh, it was great. But yeah, it, I just feel like the books kind of got lost, you know? Totally. And it's a shame because there was a lot of good talent behind those books. And I hope that they come back. I really like the weirdness that they injected into the DCU as well. I think maybe it was a little confusing for some people or just me as I seem to be one of the only jerks that cares about this, but like where these stories took place, mother panic was obviously in Gotham. She was just shunted into another reality with this new mother panic, but it never really felt like it was actually Gotham. They referenced Batman and stuff, but it was kind of confusing. Cape Carson to me, took place in the regular DCU. Superman showed up and shit. They were underground most of the time doing stuff that was completely psychedelic and bizarre. But I think a lot of fans just didn't know what to do with this. And it's too bad because they really were great books. Well, I mean, I think trying to shove them into the jigsaw puzzle that is current DC continuity is setting yourself up for defeat. Okay. <laughs> like No, absolutely. I don't disagree. Like, just, you know, let it wash over you and enjoy it. It's like when... It's like back in the day before Vertigo was vertigo and uh sandman shows up at the justice league headquarters right <laughs> and like, talks what, to martian manhunter what is going on here <laughs> it's like you're like don't worry about it dude <laughs> they're never gonna reference this in the justice league book so just right. don't worry about it <laughs> speaking of dc yeah the name finally the name of dc entertainment's streaming app as well as its logo and several uh, of their new show logos have been revealed by the company. Shocker. It's called. Wait, wait, let me guess. It's something clever like uh, DC for you or DC online or DC in your face. What do they, they call it? DC universe. Oh, wow. <laughs> Jeez. You really went all out on that one. Like it's like it, it's barely removed from just calling it DC comics. here's our streaming app dc comics (laughs) the self-described quote first of its kind immersive digital experience that is dumb okay that sounds like we're talking about tron yeah on well yeah you plug you jack in you you get digitized you have a neon suit on and then you watch swamp thing yeah and then you hold hands with superman and he flies (laughs) into the air while you read poetry right (laughs) The the app will feature original shows and presumably some other content to make it worth yet another monthly subscription fee. Uh, DC released the title art for the first three shows, Titans, Young Justice, Outsiders, and the recently announced Harley Quinn animated series. All of which were shows that didn't get picked up anywhere else, strangely. I think those show, well, Young Justice was always planned for the app, but no, Titans, that's true. Titans that's true. I remember they were shopping it around to like TBS and stuff. Yeah, we, God, we reported on that almost a year ago. A long time ago, right? Probably longer than that. Right. Uh, They haven't announced any other content, uh, non, non video content, including the thing that I want most of all, which is the Marvel Unlimited style library of old DC comics. That's all I want. Yeah, it seems like I don't know that you're going to get me real impressed about an app that just has four or five TV shows on it. You have to do something with the comics. And 
Why would they not announce that here? Are you going to try and sell us on two separate apps? No, they one said for comics that and one for I mean, I hope not. They've they said that there here. was more to come. There were more announcements to come. This was just the announcement of the name and the TV shows. And that's cool. But they've yeah, they've got to do the comic thing here. Now, I present to you, what is it worth? How much does Joe Patrick pay a month for this? If it's like, the comic library and the shows and I'm going to take it a step further because if it's just those four shows, no. But yeah. if it's their library of old shows like Batman animated and their old movies and stuff, you know, that could be fun. But I bet. That would, the, yeah. I mean, that would involve them taking it, taking that stuff away from all the other providers. Where I bet. At. Yeah. I bet the publishing rights or the broadcast rights or whatever you call it are complicated for the, a lot of that old stuff. Gotta be. Um, but. If it's like CBS All Access, I pay five bucks a month. I think that that's fine. And but they have a ton of content on there. They've got so many old shows. Every yeah. episode of Cheers. So what does Joe Patrick pay for this? I'd pay like I'd pay like five to eight bucks if it comes with the comic library. Yeah, Marvel it's got to Unlim- come with the comics. Marvel Unlimited. If you pay for a full year, it's five bucks a month. So, mm. yeah, I mean, when you consider, if you look at other bundled services, like let's maybe it's a bad. Maybe it's a bad example, but Amazon, for example, like Amazon Prime just went up. It's going to be basically nine dollars a month, a little more than nine bucks a month. But for nine bucks a month, you get Amazon movies, you get Amazon TV, you get their original series. You also get free shipping on, you know, your packages and you get music. So I think they're going to to make it worthwhile somewhere in six to seven dollars a month. I don't have a problem for, but the comics have to be there and not comics like the Marvel app. I mean, they need to do full stories. They need to do full runs and shit like that. Cause you've got it. Right. You and absolutely I, have it. And people I, are not buying it the way that they want them to. Right. And I know, I know it, t- it takes time to get that old stuff scanned into digital. Sure. But there's so much of it already available on comiXology. Like they're doing it. They're constantly adding old content to comiXology. So I feel like they've been building to this, and if it did, if it doesn't end up having the comics, I'll be kind of surprised, frankly. But in addition to the shows we already knew were coming, they also dropped news of a live-action Swamp Thing one-hour television series helmed by Aquaman director James Wan. Uh, he's also done some horror movies. I think he yeah. did some of the Saw movies. This, of course, will be exclusive to the DC Universe app. Juan is producing it alongside uh, his Atomic Monster production company and Warner Brothers Television. Here's the description. When CDC researcher Abby Arcane returns to her childhood home of Halma, Louisiana, in order to investigate a deadly swamp-borne virus, she develops a surprising bond with scientist Alec Holland, only to have him tragically taken from her. But as powerful forces descend on Huma... Halma? Halma? I'm not sure. I think it's Halma. Intent on exploiting the swamp's mysterious properties for their own purposes, Abby will discover that the swamp holds mystical secrets, both horrifying and wondrous, and the potential love of her life may not be dead after all. That sounds pretty swamp thingy to me. It sounds very swamp thingy, and it sounds like... Unfortunately, I just went on a rant about how CBS took Star Trek Discovery and stuck it on an app and buried it. Something like Swamp Thing, the TV series, might need to be buried on an app. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> it might. I'm not saying it's going to be bad. Yeah, I'm right, saying yeah. it might be the kind of thing that's only going to speak to fucking nerds like me. You know it's what I true, mean? It's true. It's <laughs> true. And there are numbers for success, maybe much lower as well. And if it is good, I would like to have it around, not get canceled. So I don't know. James Wan is very talented. He did, in fact, write and direct Saw. He's working on Aquaman. We'll see what happens there. I'm not predicting success, but we'll see. Mama! He's, he's going to be producing this. It's a very Hollywood thing. Well, it has been a very Hollywood thing for like the last 15 years or so for directors to get a foot in the door and then immediately start producing a TV show, which is great because we've gotten fan fucking tastic TV out of it. Yeah. And it's basically these guys working with their crews and saying, look, everybody has a job in between shots and they're developing talent while they're doing it too. They're, photography gets better their directors or writers they all get better because you know they're in the gym every day they're working out they're making tv shows i think this is a fucking rad idea if it's done well i don't love that it's app 
only, but again, I don't know if this exists anywhere else. Maybe the sci-fi network. You know what I mean? Uh, well, this might surprise you to hear, Matt. It might not, because you're old like me. This is actually going to be the third attempt at bringing Swamp Thing to television. No, it doesn't surprise me at all. There was a USA show. Yep, in the in the 90s, right? Uh, yeah, and then it there was, was terrible. Yes, it wasn't very good. And there was also a Swamp Thing cartoon oh yeah on fox kids in the early 90s and its theme song it had the best theme song ever uh wasn't it wasn't it just uh it was wild wild thing it was wild thing with the lyrics changed swamp thing (laughs) yeah you are amazing (laughs) it was so bad uh but that I don't know that show that cartoon must have been a, a a minor hit because there was a whole toy line and everything Oh, it's fucking terrible. But that was at a time where they were throwing toys at everything. Yeah. So, no, I, I, I highly doubt it was a hit. And there's no way that it lasted more than a season. <laughs> <laughs> there's no way. Well, okay. I hope that this is good. Like, I'm going to subscribe to the app for sure, because at least for the duration of Young Justice, because I want Young Justice. I got to see what this Titans bullshit is all about. Swamp Thing, it could be good. It's got some talent behind it, but... I'm afraid that if they don't do the comics, it might be a deal breaker. Yeah, I I find it hard to believe. We'll see. I don't know. Oh, there were five episodes of the animated Swamp Thing. No way. <laughs> Only five? Number of episodes, five. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so not quite the hit that we thought back of the night. I guess not. Swamp Thing. You are amazing. So there's your nerd news and analysis for this week. Be sure to head over to the THN forums and let us know what you think about these stories and everything we missed. How much are you willing to pay for the DC Universe creatively yeah. named streaming app? Let's hear it, you lunatic billionaires out there. <laughs> you can find them by heading to 2 nerdcom and clicking on the bright yellow forum button. It's review time in the Ziggurat Show, and this week we've got a swan song for a Deadpool rider and a new number one for the Avengers, because we were just about to run out of Avengers number ones. Joey, why don't you start us off? Sounds good. My review is Avengers number one from Marvel Comics, written by Jason Aaron, with art by Ed McGinnis and Mark Morales. He's the inker. Color art by David Curiel. It's 40 pages for $4.99. Here's your solicit. A new era dawns for Earth's mightiest heroes. Courtesy of <laughs> Jason Aaron you and Ed McGinnis. Like, you sound like Grover. <laughs> <laughs> Near. <laughs> Far. <laughs> Thor Odinson, Steve Rogers, Tony Stark. The big three of the Avengers are reunited at last. And just in time to save the world from total annihilation at the hands of their most powerful enemies yet. The 2,000-foot-tall space gods known as the Celestials. Behold the coming of the final host, who will answer the call to assemble for a wild new era of Earth's mightiest heroes. Hint, one of them has a flaming skull for a head. And what strange world-shaking connection exists between the final host and Odin's ancient band of prehistoric Avengers? It feels like just a couple weeks ago that the previous volume of Avengers ended. It was, in fact, a couple weeks ago. But Earth's Mightiest Heroes are finally back in their own series after too long. With everything that's gone on with the characters, deaths, rebirths, evil twins, comas, decapitation, it feels like it's been... I forgot about the decapitation. Hey, man, (laughs) Thor's got one arm, bro. It feels like it's been years since Marvel's Big Three has been together. You know decapitation means losing your head, not an arm. Oh, I thought it meant like any sort of like body part getting cut off. your cap is removed. I don't think it really... (laughs) Okay. I'll yeah. give you I'll give you that one. It's getting your head cut off. I got it. We'll call uh, it dismemberment. How about dismemberment? Dis- dismemberment. Yeah, limb. dismemberment. Yes. Recently Thor lost his member. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm guessing these three haven't been together since Jonathan Hickman's run on the Avengers. At least, yeah. I'm not gonna lie, it felt good seeing the old friends catching up over a couple of beers and a Shirley Temple for Tony. Aaron puts a twist on the usual let's get the band back together routine. This time, Tony, who's usually the impetus for these things, is the hesitant one, wondering if their time has passed, but Thor and Cap keep pushing until the Celestials start falling from the sky and it no longer becomes a choice. It's almost like their need to bring the team back together is some kind of therapy for everything that they've gone through. They really need each other. 
What follows is kind of a boilerplate team-building sequence. Various characters that'll eventually fill out the roster are scattered around the world, dealing with the cataclysm hitting Earth on their own, and it's just a matter of time before they all have reason to come together. It's the sort of story you've read a hundred times, but I like the familiarity. It feels like a classic changing in the guard story. Ghost Driver is having a heart-to-heart with his car. Jennifer Walters is just trying to make it through the day without freaking out. Doctor Strange and Black Panther are investigating some weirdness at the Earth's core, and Captain Marvel is trying to stop a 2,000-foot-tall giant from hitting the Earth with her bare hands. Right now, there doesn't seem to be any reason why this particular group would assemble, but I'm confident Aaron's going to make it work. The art team on this book is top-notch. I've been a huge Ed McGuinness fan since his first work on Joe Kelly's Deadpool 20 years ago. I can't believe it. He was so young back then. His characters are larger than life. They have an intense energy to them, like they're coiled springs ready for action. I hate to keep using the word classic, but it really does harken back to a different time when superhero art was all about exaggerated movements. Mark Morales' inks are the perfect complement for McGinnis, keeping the line art clean and slick, and David Curiel's colors pop off the page. It's just a gorgeous comic. The latest in a long line of Avengers number ones hits the mark for me. It feels like a return to form for Earth's Mightiest Heroes. I'm totally on board. Yes, it is kind of a standard number one, but I just, it I really is. liked it. It, it. it almost has to be a standard number one. You know what I mean? The curse of these relaunches is that you have to do shit like this. And if we're going to accept that relaunches are part of life, and this is how they go, especially with a big team book. There's always going to be a formula that you have to follow. But like you said, I trust Aaron. McGinnis made this absolutely amazing to look at. This was one of the most visually exciting comics I've seen in a long time. And his style just seems to get better and better. Yeah. But I I cannot think of a more unenviable position to be in than having to write another Avengers or Justice League or X-Men number one. You know what I I mean? Yeah. I, I, I can't imagine how difficult it is because you have to do this. You, you literally have to put yourself in the formula and go, all right, we can't really start anything here other than big threat shows up. The team is back together. Right. And, you know, there's added pressure because you know that the movie just came out and Marvel, right. whether it's true or not, Marvel's like more eyes going to be on that comic yeah, Marvel's pretending like everyone will be paying attention to this. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm giving it a buy it. I, I really like it. I love classic Avengers, you know, team building stories. This is right. another one of them. It's got it's a, wonderful art. Yeah, it's a buy it for me as well. I'm glad to see the team back together. I don't give a shit about Ghost Driver, personally. Nah, and I don't do I. understand why that character is there, but we'll see. Avengers Assemble! Oh! Leave it for me! All right. Every three years or so, we read a Deadpool comic, and this this year, it was our year. Well, it just so happens to be a movie coming, so, Joe, there's going to be a lot of eyes on this one, okay? Okay. Despicable Deadpool, number 300 from Marvel. It's my review of the week. It's written by Jerry Duggan. It's with art by Mike Hawthorne and various. 72 pages for $5.99. That's a Here's big book. Solic- it's a big book. Here's your solicit. Every bad decision, every betrayal, every fart joke, they've all come back to haunt Deadpool. He's gone from criminal to outcast to celebrity and back to criminal. And as Captain America leads the biggest heroes of of the Marvel Universe to take him down, Wade is forced to be his own most despicable self one last time! For over five years and more than a hundred issues, Jerry Duggan has been putting words in the mouth of the Merc. With the same. Oh, I see. <laughs> the Merc with same? Oh, that's terrible. Into the mouth of the Merc with same. Ugh. But all that ends in this triple-sized issue with art by longtime Deadpool collaborators Scott Kobush, Matteo Loli, and Mike Hawthorne. It's one last love letter to the character we love to hurt. Sorry, Wade. This one's going to sting. As Joe said, it's been quite a while since either of us have checked in with Deadpool. So I figured, why not check out Duggan's final issue? And as it happens, Duggan retires as the man that's written more issues of the Merc with a Mouth than any other creator. Did you know that? Yeah, mazel tov. 
Yeah. Like I said, I'm not sure how we got here, but Wade has had enough of his own crap and he's ready to turn himself in. But in true fashion, he finds a way to accidentally stop almost the entire Marvel U and make them (laughs) puke for something like 10 pages. In my 40 odd years of comic reading, I can say I have never seen so much puke on the page. As the issue progresses... We venture into price tag jokes, a guest appearance from writer Jerry Duggan himself, and ultimately, Captain America leads Wade into realizing he might not be all that bad. I haven't loved Deadpool as a character for quite a while now, but it's by no fault of Duggan. As excited I am for the next Deadpool movie, I've just kind of grown tired of Deadpool's shtick in the comics. Now, maybe it's a testament to Duggan's writing, but I can't say this wasn't a good read. It's obvious he's had fun writing Deadpool, and Marvel seems to have given Duggan all the freedom he could have possibly wanted. All in all, this was a nice send-off for Duggan's Deadpool, and as much as I don't care about slapstick dick and fart Deadpool comics, I've got to give Despicable Deadpool 300 a buy it. I will say, it did run long. It ran longer than it needed to, and a comic book like this that's supposed to be funny and fast-paced really can't afford to slow down like that. I get packing it full of content. It is 72 pages for six bucks. I think Deadpool fans will like this. So it is a buy it for me. It's a buy it for me too. And I kind of disagree with you. I, I was compelled through the whole issue. Um, I mean, it is long, but I didn't feel like it overstayed its welcome. Okay. I'm a, I am an almost 40 year old man and I could not stop laughing for the 15-page puke sequence, uh, Deadpool has infected himself with a bioweapon, and he thinks it's going to give him some sort of s- secret powers, and s- he doesn't understand why he can't Well, don't fly. spoil it. Don't spoil it. Oh, don't man. spoil it for people. All right. Come on. Because it, it was kind of a fun reveal, like, All what's right, yeah, yeah, going all right. on. But, yeah, there's so much puke. And yeah, I, giggled, I giggled and giggled so and giggled through the whole thing. Um, and then it got serious. Like, that's the thing I appreciated about Jerry Duggan's Deadpool. What l- little I read about it, I read of it. It really harkened back to the Joe Kelly Deadpool for me in the sense yeah. that um, Wade w- was, yes, the comic relief, but there was also serious stuff going on. Like, some some bad shit happened. Like, he sided with Hydra Cap because he thought he was the real Captain America and he killed a guy, and now everyone's yeah. out to get him. <laughs> like, he thought he was just following Captain America's orders. And so his life is in the toilet, and bad things are happening. And uh, there's, like, this underlying sadness uh, beneath all the jokes uh, about how he just wants to, like, forget all this happened and go back to being a simpleton, you know, like a... Without having to worry about the morality of it. it Bugs Bunny it with really guns, good. if you will. <laughs> yeah. Uh the the Jerry Duggan uh, cameo was fun. Like they made a lot of choice Animal Man Grant Morrison jokes. Yeah, yeah. I'm giving it to buy it too. I thought that the art by Various uh, did get a little dicey. Mike Hawthorne and Scott Koblish are both excellent. Yeah, um, it I did. Think it did. I think it did lag a little with the the Mateo Lolly parts. Yeah, it definitely did. And it stuck out because the other two are so talented. And that's nothing against Loli. He has a different style that I just don't particularly care for. Yeah, but I really liked this comic. It's a buy it for me, too. I, You know, like I said, we only check in with Deadpool every every once in a great while. But um, sometimes it's worth it. And this time it was worth it. Yeah, nice job, Jerry Duggan. Uh, he's on to bigger and better things. Good for him. He's really come along as a writer. I remember when we first talked about him coming on Deadpool, it was like, oh, great, another TV comedy writer is going to come and write a comic book. Let's see how this goes. Well, that, out, was, that was because he was co-writing it with Brian Posehn. <laughs> right. Turned out he did a great job. Yeah. So that's a double buy it for both the Despicable Deadpool number 300 and Avengers number one. We'll post our written reviews over at 2 so you nerds can tell us what you thought of these comics and just how wrong we are as usual. Joe, as you know, Friday night is a particularly hard drinking evening for me and recording on Saturday morning typically requires chemicals. Well, buddy... I came here to review some comics and drink some coffee. Now I'm all out of coffee. So let's send a couple of Moloids out for cold brew. I like mine with a little almond milk because I'm going to need some lightning in these here veins if we're going to review eight more new comics during the Ludicrous Speed Round. Ludicrous Speed, go! Go! 
number 240 from Marvel. Bendis says goodbye to Miles Morales in the most Bendis way possible by abruptly wrapping up a multi-part story in a few pages of flashbacks. What do you want? He quit. Come on, give the guy a break. <laughs> Still, I got kind of choked up at the end, uh, especially during the Back Matter essay where Bendis described his recent brush with death and how it informed this final issue. It was really touching. It's got a great last page by Sarah Pacelli. It's a buy it. Coda, number one, from Boom. This book came out last week, but it's worth talking about because it was fucking awesome. Simon Spurrier looks to be setting up a fantasy magnum opus filled with five-horned foul-mouthed unicorns, cities built around giant guns, bounty hunters, giants, and all sorts of other lunacy drawn by one of the most talented pencilers I've seen in a while, Mateus Bergara. This is classic heavy metal fantasy meets your favorite spaghetti westerns. Coda was an amazing first issue with some huge world building, and it truly, truly amazing art. I'm saying buy it. Justice League, ain't no justice no more. Number one from DC. Scott Snyder, James Tenian Four, and Joshua Williamson team up with superstar artist Francis Manipole for this weekly four-issue epic setting up the new Justice pop-up boutique imprint. Oh, boy. The Justice League effed up big time during Dark Knight's Metal, and the universe is about to pay the price. All manner of cosmic nightmares are pouring through the fresh hole in the source wall, and only Brainiac has the smarts to assemble the perfect league to fight him. This was a fun, again, just another team-building issue, but it was really fun. Stunning art by Manipal. The dude's panel layouts give J.H. Williams III a run for his money. Yeah, I would argue he's the he is at the highest level he's ever been. Right? Oh, yeah, for sure. It's a fun twist uh, at the end, too. The big bads of the story are a little close to what Jason Aaron is doing with the Avengers. You think so? Yeah, but hey, I still love this issue. I think it's going to be a great little mini event. I'm giving Justice League Ain't No Justice No More number one a buy it. <laughs> Jim Henson's Fraggle Rock number one from Boom slash Archaea. Jared Cullum has worked on a few of Archaea's Jim Henson books, and this time he brings his beautiful watercolors to the Fraggles. This is another gorgeously painted Henson comic from Archaea that's perfect for all ages and a great way to introduce your little ones to the Fraggles if you never have. I've given it a huge buy it because Jared Cullum is a crazy, crazy talented artist, and all of these Jim Henson books that Archaea have done are just amazing, gorgeous reads. Venom, number one from Marvel. I've said it before, I don't really care about Venom as a solo character. That's still true. Unless a creative team comes along and does something really interesting with him. Enter Donny Cates and Ryan Stegman, who just told us that everything we know about Venom and that Venom knows about itself is wrong. Whoa. I really dig where the story is going so far, and Stegman's art is phenomenal. Harkening back, this, if you're counting, that's the third time this episode I've said the word hearkening. You've been hearkening all day. I hearken all over the damn place. Uh, but it's really reminiscent of Todd McFarlane's time with the character. He's like super beefy. He doesn't always have slobbering jaws and pointy teeth. I really like it. If you have even a passing interest in the character, check out Venom number one. It gets a buy it. Who's in the costume? Eddie. It's Eddie. Okay. Yep. Yeah, this is just straight classic Venom. Eddie Brown. World of Tanks, Citadel 2, number one from Dark Horse. Here we get another comic adaptation of the tank shoot-em-up, again written by World War II expert Garth Ennis. And if you love reading about soldiers bitching about different tank models and mediocre art, then I guess you'll love this. Personally, I found this boring as hell with an artist who's doing a bad John McRae impersonation. I'm giving this a skim it for the amount of research that went into writing this long and boring tank drama, but seriously, it was like pages and pages like, oh, not the B-84s, those rumbling pieces of garbage. Oh, yeah, why couldn't we get P-13 120s with the big 7-foot millimeter whatever gun? You know, like, shut up. <laughs> I don't care. I get it. You know a lot about tanks. I skim it. You're giving Sherlock them Holmes. A, you're giving them an A for effort. I'm giving them. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of research that went into this. Obviously. All right. Sherlock Holmes, the Vanishing Man, number one from Dynamite. Leah Moore and John Repian are back with the latest in their excellent series of Sherlock Holmes stories. This time with stunning art by Julius Ota. It was so good. An office clerk has gone missing. Holmes' druggist has just been murdered. A and druggist? His druggist. I need And there's a somebody, and there's something spooky going on with a cursed sarcophagus. Oh. How is it all connected? I have no idea. 
but I'm definitely going to keep reading and find out. Sherlock Holmes, The Vanishing Man gets a buy it. I can't believe we're finally here after all this time. Full circle. Medieval Spawn and Witchblade, number one from Image. Yes, apparently Medieval Spawn is still a thing through the sheer force of will of Todd McFarlane alone. In true Todd fashion, he has nothing to do with this comic other than having the largest credit title in the book for being Spawn's creator. Brian Habilin's art, though, is amazing on this hyper-serious slog through overwritten Spawn Witchblade history, along with the incredible coloring of Geriad, right? Jerryod Van Dyke, this boring story really could not have looked better. I wish I could give this a buy on art merit alone, but, ne- but Medieval Spawn and Witchblade wasn't just boring, it was long too. I'm giving it a skim it. That is your ludicrous speed round and is the sound of Giant Man succumbing to Deadpool's alien bioweapon. As seen in the pages of The Despicable Deadpool, number 300. Okay, so spoiler alert, there it is. <laughs> Listen, we already said there was puking, come on. <laughs> I know. This onomatopoeia of the week was submitted by myself because I knew the second I saw it, I had to use it. Uh, I do want to give a shout out, though, to Anosianis on Twitter, who sent in a great one from this week, but it kind of spoiled, spoiled the big twist of no justice, so I didn't oh. use it. Sorry, Anno. I, I appreciate it, though. If you want to submit an onomatopoeia of the week, spew it all over any of our social media or shoot an email to twoitanerd at gmail.com. Seeing as tomorrow is Mother's Day, Joey, I've decided that we're going to spend our weekly visit to the THN Sanctum Sanctorum working on some heartfelt, handmade art pieces for our mamas. Joe, I'm using psychedelic mushrooms and moloid baby teeth to decorate this heart-shaped card. What are you working on? Oh, I'll bet she's gonna love it. While I arrange this Black Mercy and heart-shaped herb bouquet for my mom, why don't we tell the nerds about our must-read picks for next week? See, that's perfect, because then she can just, like, sit by the flowers and picture what a success we could have been, you know? I know. It's the best <laughs> gift we could have given her. My pick for next week! New Challengers! Number one from DC. It's written by Scott Snyder with art by Andy Kubert. 32 pages for $3.99. Here is your solicit. From the pages of Dark Knight's Metal! Challengers Mountain has returned to the DC Universe and chosen a new team of explorers. Five misfit strangers are given a second chance at life, but only if they obey the orders of the mysterious professor and execute deadly missions in the most unexplored corners of the multiverse. And if the new Challengers of the Unknown fail... It will be more than just their own lives that hang in the balance. I think it's their butts. I think it might be their butts. Yeah, their butts are hanging in the balance. Uh, I'm thrilled to have the Challengers back. There is no reason why we couldn't have a kick-ass Challengers comic. Unfortunately, the role of Fantastic Four is being filled by the Terrifics right now at the DCU, but I'm on board for this. I think it's going to be a ton of fun. I love Andy Cooper. Love him. I apologize for him at his most Andy Cooper. <laughs> My pick for next week is Ether, the Copper Golems, number one from Dark Horse. It's written by Matt Kent, with art by David Rubin. It's 32 pages for $3.99. And here's your solicit. From the New York Times best-selling mind migment creator Matt Kent and Black Hammer's David Rubin comes this fantasy adventure about a science-minded hero intent on keeping the balance between Earth and a magic world. Portals between Earth and the Ether begin to crack open, unleashing devastating magical fury on our planet, and only Boone Dias can seal the breaches. That name sucks. <laughs> In order to put an end to this chaos, Boone recruits a powerful team of mystical beings, including a grumpy spell-riding fairy, a bickering lavender gorilla, and a bullheaded motorcycling spell hacker. What the hell is a lavender gorilla? A lavender gorilla? Haven't you read the Ether Man? It's good. These heroes set off on a journey, taking the reader through the center of volcanoes, deserts full of living mummies and sphinxes, and a bizarre fairy forest in an effort to save both worlds from complete destruction. Bizarre fairy forest was the name of my autobiography, but now I'm going to have to change it. (laughs) Damn it. Uh, The Ether is great. I love that. I loved the first series uh, about this. Yeah, the scientist that discovered a mystical world. And a portal to go back and forth. 
and he's gone a little nuts. He lost his wife and he's the only one that knows about this world. And he goes over there and solves crimes and stuff. It's really good. David Rubin is an amazing artist. Yeah, he's great. Uh, And I'm excited for more Ether. So check it out if you haven't. The THN Trade of the Week for next Wednesday goes to the Originals, the Essential Edition hardcover. From Dark Horse, it's written and illustrated by Dave Gibbons. 280 pages for $29.99. What a steal. That's that's pretty solid. Here's your solicit. Deluxe Oversized Edition. It, there's no, like, ju- it just starts right in. Deluxe Oversized Edition of the Eisner Award-winning mod sci-fi coming-of-age graphic novel from Dave Givens, co-creator of Watchmen. Includes 32 pages of never-before-seen development art, process pieces, and behind-the-scenes extras, all annotated by Gibbons. This reads like it's being shipped from China, and they just, like, put the description through Google Translate. (laughs) In a retro-futuristic city of industrial gray where hover scooters, music, and drugs rule the street, the originals are the toughest. Most stylish gang around. For two childhood friends, nothing is more important than being one of them. But being part of the crowd will bring its own deadly consequences. The originals was wonderful. I'm glad this is getting a big, sexy re-release. If you never had a chance to check it out, it really, really was great stuff by a master, Dave Gibbons. Yeah, it's been out of print for a while. It has. Dark Horse is really good about remembering this stuff and celebrating it and putting out really sexy versions of it. Pick this one up if you've never read it. Now that you know our picks, get a hold of your retailer and add these comics to your pull file now, right away. Then, next Wednesday, grab your... Oh, this was based on what we were doing last time. Then, next Wednesday, brag about your handmade Mama's Day gifts and let us know what you thought of these comics. The comic pushes are back, y'all. And this time, these fly funny book slinging gangsters are celebrating the return of Deadpool to the big screen by suggesting a couple must-read mark-with-a-mouth stories for you. Matt, throw some product at these twitching comic junkies. Ain't no thing. Check this out. We bitch a lot about Deadpool in Marvel Comics, and we bitched about the over-Deadpoolification of Marvel, which was going on for a long time, and guess what? It's going to be back hardcore. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it never really left. No, I mean, but like every time these movies come out, this is what happens. Marvel decides, oh my God, everybody's going to freak out. You've got to read these Deadpool comics. So here's a million of them. Now, there are good Deadpool comics out there. And this is coming from, like we said, two guys that haven't particularly cared about the character in a long time. I'm going to start way back in 1994. This is where I first met a writer no, I'm sorry, an artist named Ian Churchill. This was Mark Wade's Deadpool <laughs> miniseries. That's the second volume. I know. I loved Ian Churchill's version of Deadpool. This is a much more serious character that was like coming into himself. This was basically like, what if Rob Leefield had a good idea of what to do with this character as opposed <laughs> to just dropping him into New Mutants as a badass with two swords. Mark Wade toured told a wonderful story here. Ian Churchill's art was super 90s at the time, but he was great. He was so great. And Churchill has basically vanished, right? Um, He's still around here and there. I think I saw him guest doing some guest art on Superman not too long ago. Okay. You can still find this first miniseries in print. It really was fun and a look at where the character was and how he became who he is today. I'm going to kind of go through time is what I'm going to do with my Deadpool selections. Joe, your pick. Uh, well, I'm doing the same. I guess for uh, for the purposes of our timeline here, uh, my pick came immediately after yours. Or not immediately, but it was the next Deadpool solo story. Uh, that is Deadpool by Joe Kelly and Ed McGinnis. Um, and I think you can get, I think the start of that is reprinted as Deadpool Classic. Yes. Volume the- 1. Which also includes the first two minis. Joe Kelly's Deadpool. What I love about it is that it took this character who was, uh, you know, kind of a joke, a jokey guy. Um, He did really amp up the jokes. His presence in X-Force kind of solidified him as a joke. Nobody really took him seriously. And uh, Joe Kelly was the first writer that said, hey... 
Deadpool has the potential to be a hero, a yes. real hero, not just a, a an assassin or a mercenary. And through the course of his run, uh, his run went a little bit farther. But for me specifically, it's the first 25 issues where there was this ongoing plot uh, of this organization, Landau, Luckman and Lake, which was a staple in Larry Hama Wolverine comics. Oh, yeah. Landau, Luckman and Lake, they were like some sort of like future predicting fixers almost. And they recruited Deadpool and started training him to become a hero because there was a prophecy of an ancient evil from space coming to Earth and and, uh, annihilating everybody. And so they built him up, built him up, built him up. And it has such a heartbreaking ending when you find out what they actually want him for. Yeah. Uh, It's such a good run and it's funny. And Ed McGinnis only lasts like nine or ten issues on the book. Uh, But he's followed by Walter McDaniel, who is a phenomenal artist that's fallen off the face of the earth. Yeah, absolutely. I forgot about him. Yeah. I love that run so much. It's my favorite run of Deadpool comics, and they are in print in those Deadpool classic trades. They're so wonderful. Definitely check it out. Yeah, so wonderful. Deadpool kind of spiraled out after that. Like, people still, there are a lot of fans of the writers that came after uh, Christopher Priest. I I know that Jimmy Palmiotti's run was pretty popular, and then Gail Simone took a crack at it. Yeah. Um, But for me, uh, after that run ended... Uh, and it was relaunched with Daniel Way. And he was like, he had multiple personalities. and Yeah, I, I did not care became, about that at all. He just became more and more shticky. And I was, I've just not been into him as a solo character ever since. I do want to give, though, a shout out to Jerry Duggan and Brian Posehn's first volume on their run of Deadpool. It was called Dead President. Yeah. It came out uh, back in 2013. Uh, part of the Marvel now, uh, remember those days. Oh yeah. Uh, dead former presidents from George Washington to Gerald Ford have been resurrected and that's bad. The Marvel heroes can't be the ones to stop them. Someone is needed with the reputation, skills, and plausible deniability to take out these come on, come monsters in chief. That's bad pun. Jerry Duggan. Hey, hey. Yeah. Um, Tony Moore did the art, the Walking Dead's Tony Moore. It's a really fantastic book. Jerry Duggan's run really was very good, and I, I kind of wish I had stuck with it. But and Tony Moore was fantastic on that book too. Yeah, uh, but yeah, like the ghosts, the 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 zombified ghosts of like William Howard Taft in the bathtub and stuff. <laughs> it was just, it was really fun time. Uh, yeah, so there are some really great modern Deadpool comics too. Oh, absolutely. Uh, in fact, I'm going to pick one from 2016 that had no right being as good as it was Spider-Man and Deadpool. We reviewed that comic book thinking, Oh God, do we really need another Deadpool book? And why is Spider-Man teaming up with him? But I'm going to say the first, it was Joe Kelly six issues. Yeah, it was Joe Kelly. The first six issue storyline really was fun as hell. Now, keep in mind, this was one of those uh, when they were doing like the hip hop variants and shit oh, <laughs> comics. <yeah. laughs> so it's kind of an embarrassing time for Marvel Comics. But I really enjoyed that first six issue storyline. And I think it really set up. It was Joe where, Kelly and Ed McGinnis. Yeah. The, it was the dream team. Yep. They brought them back together. It yeah, really no. set up what we liked about Deadpool in the 90s mixed with what Jerry Duggan was doing with Deadpool at the current time and sort of wiped away a lot of that ridiculousness, the Bugs Bunny with guns crap and like the multiple personalities and sort of set Deadpool on the course for where he is today. And it really was a fun read. That book was so much better than it had any right to be. Well, I think we did it. I think we did it. Slang some, slang some Deadpool comics. They're, they're laying on the floor shaking. So we must have (laughs) succeeded. Yeah, they all pass out afterwards. It's like train spotting. It's really weird. And then that dead baby Deadpool crawls across the ceiling and we all freak out, right? Yeah, and then uh, <laughs> uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi crawls out of the toilet. Yeah, it's a whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> We'd love to hear some of your Deadpool suggestions, too. As we said, we haven't read Deadpool in a long time, and maybe we missed some stuff. Hit us up and let us know what you junkies think of these Deadpool comics, because... Uh, 
If we don't get any feedback, we don't know if we're doing this right. You know what I mean? That's how it works. Excelsior! Oh. <laughs> that is it for THN 46. Before we get out of here, though, Joe Patrick, I need you to set up a new question of the week for these nerds. It will be my pleasure. This week's question comes from Phil Lee via the THN forums. And I really love it. What silly cartoon or TV show from your past do you think could be revamped for a serious or mature audience a la the uh, recent Hanna-Barbera DC Comics? What, if any, changes would you make? Would you make the Dukes of Hazard a gritty southern crime piece about a family of shine runners during Prohibition? Oh, that would be awesome. Does Fat Albert become a dramedy about a group of kids dealing with social adversity in a drug-addled neighborhood? Or maybe he roofies women. <laughs> oh, okay, now. <laughs> it's not Fat Albert's fault. We're not mad at Fat Albert. We're mad We're at Fat Albert. We're not. Let's leave Fat Albert alone. Yeah. Yeah, I love this question so much. So That's great. Take- Take a cartoon or cheesy TV show from your childhood. Oh, give it just a you modern. Wait till, wait till I get a hold of the Get Along Gang. Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> THN is a listener-supported podcast. We want to thank everyone that shells out their hard-earned cash. They could be spending at their local comic book shop every week by supporting this show on PayPal and Patreon. Without you nerds, we cannot afford the old Care Bear comics. We need to brush up on our history for next week's question of the week. Oh, man. It's going to be a doozy. Before we go, our weekly shout-out goes to Aureus and Battle Beast fan. <laughs> Two listeners that introduced themselves to the THN community on the forums last week. Word to you guys now. Let's take the next step and get you calling into cover to cover. Absolutely. Battle Beasts, that would be a great one to bring back. I would love to hear what someone would do with Battle Beasts. Now, it all started when Aureus said, hey, is anybody still using the forums? I'm looking for a fan community. This looks like a great place to be, but there's not a lot of activity. And he's right. Let's get the forums. Let's make the THN forums great again. Don't say shit like that. Come on. (laughs) Until next time, true believers, remember to pre-order your comics or your retailer might just throw a Care Bear stare your way. And typically comic book retailers do that with their butts. This is the Two-Headed Nerd signing off. You do not want to look directly into it. That's for sure. No, no. There's a starfish in the middle of there. Don't look directly into it. (laughs) 